control. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday evening on RT Radio. Or of course, you can get it first on Friday mornings with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is show number 888. And joining me as always to talk about the big stories of the week is our editor-in-chief, Nog Kitson. So much going on. Uh, Facebook, of course, we have to talk about and Windows 11 finding the real world. We'll do that in detail for you in a moment. But first, Nile, five d- d- headlines. Are you ready? News at 10. Okay, bong, bong, bong. Here we go. Yeah. The EU are calling for a ban on facial recognition being used in public areas. Yay. Okay. Yep. Amazon are working on a smart fridge. This is when we were growing up and it was like, one day your fridge will tell you you need milk. Amazon okay. are working on it. Um, Thumbs down. Russian film crew up on the ISS right now making a movie in space. Amazing. Uh, Similar story. William Shatner, Captain Kirk, actually going to actual space for four minutes. Two thumbs up. Uh, Next Tuesday, he's going to be doing that with uh, Blue Origin. And finally, the two thumbs down for me on this one. Google is going to make a uh, two-factor authentication mandatory for uh, millions of users before the end of the year. Oh, thumbs up for me on that one. Uh, I just find it a complete pain in the rear end. But anyway, that's uh, neither here nor there. Big stories of the week, though. I mean, Windows 11 is here. Facebook, of course, making all the headlines. Where do you want to start? Okay, let's talk about Facebook first, because there we have an interesting segue. I mean, both both of these stories were in the news this week, mm. but I think Facebook has a slightly bigger segue in that. We all remember earlier this week, um, thanks to a network uh, configuration error, Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram went down for six hours and the world went mental. Um, I mean, I I actually, what happened to me was I was watching, um, I was trying to watch stuff on YouTube at the time and I was watching a video and then I went to watch another video and it was just, there was nothing happening. There was no data coming into my phone. Uh, And I was like, okay, well, let's check something else. That was just, you know, fiddly thing that I'd normally check and nothing was, nothing was working. And later I got a message from Vodafone explaining that there was so much data on their network, their network had actually gone down and they apologized for it. There are so many people trying to get into Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp and communicating about not being able to get into Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, that it was affecting their network. <laughs> oh, it's just insane. I, I think uh, I, I just noticed it when I wasn't um, able to send uh, WhatsApp messages. That's what it was. Um mm. It just, I think the whole thing, look, it went for five hours or six hours. There's no drama. Do you know what would be really interesting is if Facebook went down for a week? Ah, we can, we can, but dream. I know, but wouldn't it be really interesting to see? Because it's Mm -hmm. kind of, it's, it's funny to see how integrated like Facebook is how much we use it yeah. for social networking and, you know, businesses for advertising. Same with Instagram uh, uh, and WhatsApp for message. Everybody's using WhatsApp now for messaging. Mm, yeah. And what would happen to the political climate, g- given that we are, in, well, in states anyway, they're mm. very much in a zero-sum game that it's either Republican or a Democrat, mm. vax or anti-vax. Uh, what happens when you have that sort of the means of polarisation removed 
for a week? Like, how long does it take for people to go, do you know what, that's oh, actually an it, interesting it, point it of It would view. take way more than a week uh, for anti-polarizing. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think I think the, 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 the downing of Facebook was kind of just a side story. I think the real story is the whistleblower, uh, Francis Hogan, uh, Haugen, Haugen. pardon me, uh, Francis uh, Haugen, who is kind of giving Congress all of the, the inside track on what really happens in Facebook. Yeah, this is a fascinating story and telling us an awful lot of stuff that we knew to be true, telling us stuff that had already came out mm. in the report in the Wall Street Journal. Um, and OK, here here's the short version, which kind of what we suspected all along. Facebook is a metrics driven com company. Their primary metric is engagement and they're not terribly troubled about what kind of content engages the most amount of people because it's a numbers game to them. They want to keep as many people on site as possible. They want to keep them uh, engaged in what uh, apparently are called meaningful interactions. So not just um, scanning headlines, but clicking through to things and interacting with them. Mm. And the longer they're on site, the more they will respond to advertisers. Fairly simple business model, uh, I think you would agree. However, the world is full of bad actors and you have a service designed by engineers uh, living in a world that they completely had no idea uh, about or a world that they would make. Um, not so much in their own images, but, uh, but sort of in, in the image of the uglier side of humanity. Mm. So... Uh, you know, we have, you know, being able to share the, the highlights of your life, if you will. Mm. But you've also got this portal into extremist behavior, into, in some cases, drug dealing, in some cases, mm. um, misinformation campaigns designed to skew elections, uh, campaigns designed to sow um, discord in societies. Am I, that Facebook um, knows all about this and is tolerant of it. Am I getting the impression that you're saying that Facebook is aware that there's a lot of misinformation and bad people and, and arguments and all kinds of negativity um, and proliferating on their platform and they are actually allowing it to happen because bad news always sells and they want to sell advertising. They're putting profit before users. Surely you're not saying that. Surely, surely, surely not. you well, cannot I, be saying that. I don't that. have to say it. Frances Haugen said it. Um, <laughs> she said, look, they're, they're putting profit uh, ahead of user safety, mm. um, which is a very clear statement, something very straightforward to say. And she would know. I mean, she worked for two years in Facebook, but she was a product manager. So it was her job to sort of, um, mm. sort of specify and make sure things, things work. And she worked in the uh, news integrity team basically the election integrity uh, the election integrity team so it was her yeah. job to make sure um the likes of misinformation was held in check to make sure that they were able to uh, encourage people to vote um to to make sure that facebook was a benevolent political actor responsible for disseminating material that has been fact checked uh, or is, you know, uh, has a positive message attached to it, like, you know, go register to vote, things that are bipartisan. Uh, and of course, Facebook came into an awful lot of criticism over that time, not only for material that sort of got through the filter that you would have been working on, but also an awful lot of conservative voices saying, hang on, you're, you're labeling our stuff, you're skewing to the left, um, to mm. which, you know, you go, well, stop lying. <laughs> Just, just hold back there, there. Kitson. Hold back. 
as a solution. Stop lying. Stop but, sowing discord. One of the fine. things. One of the things that that you said, and tell me if this I, I, I'm correct when I when I heard this or not, was Facebook does have controls in place to regulate this kind of information. However, uh, they didn't really have the controls as in place as they could have been because all of this discord and misinformation and the election and Trump and da-da-da was essentially good for business. It was keeping people engaged on Facebook for longer and they were seeing more ads and all that and Facebook were making a pile of money about it until... The uh, incident at the Congress uh, happened in January where American citizens were storming their own parliament, essentially, uh, and being, you know, kind of uh, encouraged by the president at the time, Donald Trump. At that point, they said, uh-oh, <laughs> we, we yeah. need to put the rules in place now. You're kind of right, because what happened um, after, pretty much after the 2020 election, uh, the election integrity team was disbanded. Uh, and so the level of oversight that there was over political discourse uh, in America, because the argument is that, you know, they're a very America-centric com country, company, that, you know, if something is happening overseas, they're not as interested, um, probably because the they're not making their money uh, in a lot of other places. They probably look at the numbers and go, mm. "Okay, no, it's they're they're not bringing in enough cash. Let's not worry so much about putting uh, uh, resources into looking after them." Uh, I'm being cynical, but hey, why, why not? It's, mm. it's fashionable at the moment. But yeah, basically, what happened that after a pr largely successful. Uh, 2020 effort in which Facebook, you know, still copped a lot of criticism, but was very careful to go, look, we, we took down X million number of posts. We mm. dismantled uh, the following. We got something like 3.5, 4 million people to register to vote. We did an awful lot of positive things during the election. And there wasn't the same controversy over uh, international misinformation campaigns like the one that we saw in 2016 mm. uh, with Russia, uh, which was, which was um, uh, borne out. So um, what happened was that once the election was was over and people were happy with the results, that team was disbanded and sent back into the, the four winds of Facebook, if you will. So all that effort that they put into restoring the integrity of the platform mm. was sort of rode back on on the assumption that there wouldn't be the same kind of um, political... Um, how would you say, um, it hot spot or, or political yeah. firestorm? Basically, it right? was a done deal. It uh, was done, finished. That's it. Everybody gone, yeah. essentially. Yeah. But of course, that's not what happened. And people were using Facebook uh, as mm. a means to coordinate uh, for the January 6th uh, uh, uprising. Mm. Uh, uprising isn't the word for it, but, but sedition, seditious event, uh, well, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, the <laughs> storm of the capital, storming of the capital. Listen, that, that, uh, that was one thing that she was talking about. Uh, another thing uh, that I thought was really interesting with this whistleblower was research within Facebook about the effects of Facebook, social media and Instagram in particular on teenagers. Now, we all yeah. remember being teenagers and worried about what people think of us and how we look. Uh, mm. Apparently with Instagram, it's, it's a really, really bad effect. Yeah, and this is uh, this is something that we knew a couple of weeks ago because she had she had spoken to the Wall Street Journal uh, initially. She she came with a trove of thousands of documents, so she wasn't walking in on the off the street making these uh, allegations. So uh, the Wall Street Journal reported. Uh, 
on the basis of her of her you know findings and evidence mm. that yes instagram was aware that women and girls were suffering adversely just by being exposed constantly to you know the best lives of, of an awful lot of very attractive people that it was making women and girls very uh, depressed uh, over their body shape, sort of having uh, an effect on their body image and leading them towards content that's, that w- was supportive of um, people with anorexia, this sort of thing. Um, uh, so a serious problem. Uh, Instagram knew it, but they didn't do anything about it. Similarly, mm. uh, Instagram was well aware that people, uh, that children below its threshold of, of 13 years were, of course, using Instagram. And they, they sort of went, okay, let's leverage this. Let's let's come up with a, a kiddie version of Instagram. But of course, you, you just get younger and younger people exposed to the same kind of information, which in and of itself isn't uh, dangerous, but people's perceptions of it mm. is incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an idea that was parked. I mean, Frances Hagen came up with a really good analogy. She said it was basically like big tobacco. You know, they they hide what they know uh, to be true about their platform, about how it works. And uh, and it's only down the road in years to come that we really will see the harm that was caused. Uh, and this is kind of it with social media, because Facebook was only around since 2005. You mm. know, it's it's. You know, it's it's not with a baby in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So fascinating um, presentation. Mm. Uh, ultimately, she was saying, "Look, we need to get sight of what's in the black box." We, whenever we talk about companies that that use AI, we talk about the black box, and that's yeah. that's ultimately their proprietary set of algorithms that they don't want to make known to. to anyone that facebook doesn't want to show people how it actually works i mean that's mm. its competitive advantage you know they, they don't want to show people how their their news feed works and um, they don't want to show people that they are being targeted mm. uh, because they've seen well, maybe uh, so right past. i would come straight back and i would say to you right with uh, uh francis and what she was saying to congress and with the facebook uh going down uh, this week and the associated services they're not a, I, I don't want to say a private company because I know you can buy stocks and shares in it, um, mm. but, but they're not just like a company for profit anymore. Do you know what I mean? They are very much getting into that utility status. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, kind of a gas supplier and an electricity supplier or so, something along those lines. Um, and it is an integral part of life these days for billions of bit for over half the planet. Okay. So over mm. half the planet rely on this service and Nobody knows how it works. Yeah. That's not a good thing. Absolutely not. No. Do you know what the scary thing I heard uh, during the weekend, I was reminded of it more than anything else, actually, is Zuckerberg, all right, Mm -hmm. owns 55% of the voting stock. Mm. That means at any meeting of that company, what he says goes. One man. stops with him. One man. That's it. Three and a half billion users Almost yeah. half the planet. Yeah. You know? And do you know what? Do you know what was really interesting? The pushback mm. on Facebook has been quite uh, quite interesting, quite systemic, right? They, they, for me, I I I, cra- I crawled this out. I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna claim it as my own. They had four Ds, right? They had uh, they downplayed the research uh, specifically on Instagram because they said they had a very small sample on it. You know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't fantastic research in the first place, and they decided to shelve the idea. You know, uh, not great, not a big deal. They decided to uh, discredit 
the credentials of Frances Haugen. They said, look, she was only around for two years. She worked <laughs> on a very small part of the business. She didn't actually report to anyone of, you know, real value at a corporate level. She was just kind of there and she didn't see the big picture. She, did, she didn't see everything. Um, then they denied outright that there is there was sort of a problem. Mm-hmm. They were kind of like, yeah, you know, we're, we're always working to make the, the platform better, but it's always with this sort of undercurrent of, do you know what, we're, we're doing the best we can. And it's, it's like, you, you know, they, they, they come out with this stock answer of we'll be better and they don't do anything. And it's obvious that they don't do anything. Um, and that, that was sort of their, their three pronged plan. And mm. if you go and you look at Facebook's official responses, You'll see it. Um, Mark Zuckerberg came out and he he was quite hurt by all this. You know, he said, <laughs> he said it's difficult to see the coverage that represents our work and motives. Now, I don't you know, know if we're standing near a field, but there's an awful stench. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He said he said the best thing, though, for for a corporate executive that is often lambasted Mm. for his um, robotic appearance and his very stage managed um, statements. You know, it's it's, you know, you got to protect the man from himself seemingly at every at every turn. He called uh, Francis Haugen's testimony illogical. (laughs) He said what she said was illogical <laughs> that they prioritize profit over safety and well-being it's like come on come on you want well, to humanize the guy stop it i don't know about you but uh, after the events of this week with the testimony and with facebook going down um uh facebook still remain in my head as the most untrustworthy brand on the planet wouldn't believe yeah. a word they say. Listen, the other big story of the week. Let's move on. Windows 11 is here. Yeah, Tuesday. Here. It arrived. Da, 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 it da, arrived. Da, da. 5th um, of October, available for download and nothing broke. It's kind of weird from a, for a Windows experience. Well, maybe not. I, th- I think, firstly, what they're doing is they've started rolling it out. Okay. So it's not a case yeah. of everybody gets it at the same time mm. because that would crash things. Um, they're doing it as a free upgrade to anybody who's running uh, Windows 10 on an eligible device. This is where it gets interesting. All right. And then also, uh, the more recent your device or computer. It, depends on whether you get it first or not. So they're they're dealing with all the more modern computers first and they'll work their way backwards then after that. Mm, yeah. Now, yeah. There's been so a- like a, the, the rollout has started now, but it, yes. the free rollout finishes uh, in the middle of next year, I think. Yeah, yeah, middle of next year. yeah when you see... They said that with Windows 10 and like the Windows mm. 10 free upgrade like officially ended, but I mean, you can still upgrade. I think it's one of these things where it's kind of like, well, you know, you should be buying it. You know what, if you just stick in a code from your old thing, you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, 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 that certainly look. seems to be the thing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Windows 10 is massively, massively popular. It's used on 80% of PCs across the world. And, here's, and why wouldn't you? It's great. This is what I don't understand, right, about Windows 11 to a certain extent, all right? When Windows 10 was launched, and we remember what, 2015 or whatever it was, right? Yeah. The problem was... Everybody was using Windows 7 and Windows 7 was great. We mm. all loved it. All right. There were a whole load of people who were still using XP and that was great as well. All right. So yeah. it's trying to wean everybody off it. So what they did was they said, okay, hey, Windows 10, here it is. It's free, super mm-hmm. easy to upgrade, no mm-hmm. problems. And it's worked. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, as you say, 80% of, 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 of machines now are running Windows 10. So that's fantastic. Now they're almost doing the opposite with Windows 11 in that they're kind of going, well, okay, it's a free upgrade, but only for like six months or a year or whatever. And you need to have a 64-bit processor and, and, and 64 gigs of storage, which we're used to. Um, but what they're starting to get really specific about the kind of processor that you have. Uh, and also you need to have two security features included, the uh, UEFI uh, secure boot, which mm -hmm. that kind of, and now it's a good thing, right? Because it prevents mm -hmm. malware from loading when you start your computer. And then the other one is the, the TPM um, trusted platform module, which yeah. in all fairness, a lot of computers made in the last five, six, seven years have, but it's just not enabled. Um, yeah. But they're kind of putting these roadblocks in the way to say you've got, and average people are going to go, oh, uh, what's that? Uh, I don't know. I'll give up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that is very interesting. And, and like if you compare the specs, like Windows 10 required one gig of RAM and 16 gigabytes of storage mm. and DirectX 9. Windows 11 requires 64 gigs. Sorry, it requires four gigs of RAM, mm. 64 gigs of storage, storage and DirectX 12. Yeah. On top of the trusted platform module, which you exactly. probably have anyway, it's just not enabled. Um, so yeah, there is, I mean, that's a huge step up in terms of spec. And there's a couple of kind of cynical reasons for why they would do that. Top of the list is we're in a little bit of a PC sales slump at the moment. Uh, components are getting a little bit more expensive because of the shortage that's out there. Um, we want to sell more machines. We I've, want to bring that market yeah, back up. I've heard that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Now, Microsoft make great devices, mm -hmm. laptops, computers, whatever, all right? But expensive, they are but far from anything resembling a world leader. Do you mean they're not a Dell, they're not a Lenovo, they're not any of those other massive manufacturers? So all they're doing no. is they're just increasing sales for the for the PC manufacturer. So I don't buy that whole thing that Microsoft want to increase sales of hardware. I just I I, I don't because I don't think there's anything in it directly from Microsoft, unless mm. they're there. Well, so they, they will be charging a license fee for the uh, for the OS. With all this the manufacturers, is the, this is the one time way. you have not subscribed to a conspiracy theory, Dusty. Mm, all right, okay. <laughs> You are letting you are letting logic rule. <laughs> um, that's and anyway. I know. I just don't think there's anything in it for um, for Microsoft on that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. I mean, Microsoft. When you think about it, what are they known for? They're known for Windows, and they're known mm -hmm. for Office. Yeah, you know that yeah. that I think is their is their thing. They do Xbox. They do games. But nowhere near to the scale of of, of Windows or, uh, or, yeah, or but cloud Office. services are a massive part of their business now true. as well. I mean, one, yeah. once you put services in there, it's well, massive rolling go. ongoing revenue. True, but then you've also got Dropbox and several other uh, people mm. like that. You, Apple have got their own services. Da da da, and all that. Mm, I don't. Know. I just I just think it's weird. Now you can give me all the detail now on this, right? I think it's weird that after Windows 10 and it being such a huge success, they're now almost going the opposite way and putting loads of roadblocks in your way to install Windows 11. But then a lot of people will look at Windows 11 and go, "Uh, what's new? They've moved yeah. the start bar to the middle of the screen. Yeah, they, what else? They, they've made it look like Mac OS. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Um, no, there are a few things in there, but uh, as we go through the specs, 
it, it requires a bit of a bump to actually download it. And once you have a look at what's there, you start asking the question like, yeah, but Windows 10 is fine. Well, why do I need this? Um, and officially, Windows 10 is going to be with us on for another four years they're going to discontinue support version 2025 okay so even there that's a little bit of a vote of confidence sort of accepting that yeah okay look you're going to move over to this eventually but if you're still using windows 10 that's that's okay we're still going to update it there'll still be security updates and let's remember like the one of the big stars of windows 10 has been its level of security um windows defender has gotten really really good and so long as you keep your system patched uh, and you've got, say, malware bytes or something like that on it that, that will do things that Windows Defender doesn't, um, you will be very well looked after uh, in security. That's not to, you know, say, you know, stay away from any of the other mm. security programs out there. But Windows ha- have, Microsoft has done a very good job with uh, Windows Defender uh, on Windows 10. So I imagine that level of uh, attention will carry over to Windows 11, mm. which is uh, good news for Microsoft and uh, maybe not so much good news for antivirus vendors, but I, I guess it's up to them to make better products um, uh, as a result of it. So uh, I know, Dusty, we've both gone through it at, at various stages and there are things that we, we both kind of like and things that we, we're a bit meh about. I mean, the UI, we're both meh because mm. it's you know it looks like mac os very similar uh, now you can you can get it to move around and you can get it to look like a traditional taskbar mm. so if you don't like it centered you can actually have it moved uh move back and have it ha- have it look normal mm. um i don't know dusty your your favorite features uh the snap layouts definitely uh, one of the things mm. i i do love on my windows 10 computers i can snap a program to either side the left or the right side of the screen but with windows 11 you can have one at the top right hand corner one at the bottom left hand corner and one on, on whatever on half the screen so they've kind of improved that um desktops i don't really care about the kind of saying well when you log in you can have one desktop for work you have one desktop for you know, for the evenings when you want to watch videos or whatever. Uh, Microsoft Teams built in. I don't really use it. Uh, I presume that they've they've protected themselves in that, you know, they will make other, you know, uh, work networking systems available that is not just Microsoft Teams. Mm. Um, Widgets, Android apps are not available just yet, but I know they're working on it. There's nothing new. Yeah, you see, the the Android apps thing Mm. is fascinating because it it marks another line in the sand because you remember a couple of years ago when Windows 10 was coming out, we we were being told all about Windows, was it uh, Universal Windows Platform applications. You put on your phone, it'll work on your tablet, it'll work on your PC. Great idea. However, Windows Phone flopped, Windows uh, tablets flopped, uh, and eventually... Uh, you got a good PC version of Windows, but but I think this was being announced in like Windows 8. So it got like the worst possible start. So, um, you know, it's kind of a, another line in the sand gone. OK, look, yeah, OK, a, a good idea, but just nobody was interested in it. Developers weren't interested in it. There was no demand from customers because people weren't using Windows phones in the first place. So why bother having an app that would scale up and um, makes makes no sense. Also, one thing that is conspicuous by its absence Cortana. You know, I hadn't even noticed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. Apparently they're, they're, they're working with Google uh, Google on making Google Assistant more um, Windows friendly. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, right. interesting. Um, um, but yeah. O- o- overall, I think uh, 
Yes, actually, I think uh, the whole security side, all right, of Windows 11 is definitely way better. Okay, mm. because you, you're making use of the, the hardware on the computer to, uh, to make the actual computer more secure. And then with all of the software changes and stuff like that, so it makes a way more secure platform. But other than that, I don't think there's anything particularly uh, in there. If you do want to try it out, I mean, you can upgrade it manually if you want. You don't have to wait for the upgrade to, to show on your computer. Uh, if you're part of the Windows Insider program, you could try it on that. Or you can use the uh, media creation tool. But... If you use either of those things uh, to install it on a computer that doesn't fit in with the the, the Windows specs, as it were, uh, they will not support uh, Windows 11 for you. But for mm. people like you and me, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> very, very important little tool Microsoft uh, have online mm. as well. If you if you Google it, uh, you can it'll basically tell you if your computer can run Windows 11. Yeah, uh, which is sure. very nice. So if you're not confident of, of what your specs are or whatever, yeah. you can just go to uh, the Windows website and, and basically ask it, will, yeah. will my computer run Windows 11? So that's, or, that's very or, handy. Or you can do what I do, just download it anyway and install it and see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> if it Listen, breaks, then it was never meant to be. Exactly. There you go. Listen, let's leave it there for this week. Uh, thanks, Niall, for the news. As always, remember, we do keep you up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Most of us grew up in an age where kicking a ball, going for a run or riding a bike was a normal part of growing up. But as kids spend more and more time on screens, are they losing time learning these basic movement skills? Move Ahead is a spin-out company from the Adapt Centre for Research into Digital Content and its founders, Dr. Johan Isartel and Jamie McGann, explained their plan to tackle inactivity with Nalgids. Johan, Move Ahead looks like something that's very much of the moment, but from your perspective, it's the, uh, the product of about 15 years of research. So take us a little back uh, into your background and tell us where the idea came from. Oh, the Move Ahead idea came from really like amazing brainstorming that Jimmy and I had. Um, both our research, as you mentioned, has been ongoing for many, many years, and we've been working independently and now jointly together for the last four years. Um, there's a movement crisis, really. That's what we, Jimmy and I uh, have been working on, where kids nowadays don't develop their skills, their movement skills the way they should for clearly a lack of engagement in physical activity. So they don't develop the skill the way they should be. Their confidence is affected. So it's like a long problem that we've been working on and we're working on this problem with primary school kids, secondary school kids, because it's basically everywhere nowadays on modern society. So we've been doing this, um, intervening in schools. Uh, we've done that really well, really successfully, but we have now a unique digital solution that can really scale up and really reach out to millions of kids where they can now play, learn through really fancy and funny games. So, Jamie, uh, you yourself came from a, a teaching background. You came from primary school teaching uh, and went to do um, your PhD in the ADAPT Centre. And uh, there was an element of serendipity in, in uh, how you came to meet Johan, wasn't there? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So 
Yeah, I was I was a primary teacher for 10 years. And then during that time, I, I did my PhD. You know, I really wanted to look at that correlation between the movement development, motor skill development, and the cognitive performance of kids. Because we saw this serious crisis, as, as Johan said, where children just unable to hop, skip, jump, throw, even run properly. And we could see the repercussions of that on the cognitive development and the, the classroom performance. So I was working on, on motion control, really trying to go where the kids are on their laptop tops on their consoles, on their phones and tablets, and to tackle the problem in that space. And I did a lot of design around uh, game design with motion control systems. And I was citing a lot of this professor's work, Johannes Hertel, unbeknownst to me, he was across the road in, in DCU. And we met, as Johan said, four years ago, Johan was just finishing off a project where he'd carried out one of the largest studies in the world on children's movement skills. Um, and again, really highlighting those per findings and that movement crisis. So we knew instantly that we wanted to meet kids where they were and to target the, the problem head on in that space. So that's where kind of Move Ahead originated from four years ago now. So Johan, in your studies to date, have you noticed things get progressively worse or did you identify a problem and realise that it was something that was perennial but always just kind of there in the background? Are, are things getting worse? No, I think it's, yeah, I think like, it, I don't want to sound dramatic. So things aren't getting worse. So basically what's happened is the kids through puberty and normal playtime, they develop skills at a specific rate. And the previous generation has done this. The generation before has done those developments in a really nice pace. What happens nowadays is that pace is a lot slower. So yes, the kids are progressing. So they're not regressing. They're not reaching their potential and far from that. The consequences is, is like if you don't, if you know you're underperforming in math, more than likely you won't like it and you won't do it to a point where you say, okay, let's go higher math for the living cert because I'm not good at math. And now you have kids that aren't good at any kind of physical activity because their movement skills didn't develop the way they should. So they are basically 12 years old acting like six, seven years old. And that's what the research is finding. So we have this kind of huge gap as to where they should be and where they are. And what we are proposing moving move ahead is to bring home all those solutions for games kids love. And we just want to really power any kind of games that can bring some movement activity there to support the kids development and to give them another opportunity to be active and to develop the skill they should have. Jamie, you're pretty much at the cold face when it comes to this problem. Was it something that uh, you noticed yourself in your own practice as a teacher that kids were just developing differently or their, their interests were an awful lot more sedentary than your own when you would have been that age? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's something really shocking about looking at a, a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old not being able to skip, not being able to carry their own weight so that they hop, not being able to balance on one foot. You know, those core, they're they're called fundamental movement skills. So they are fundamental to childhood development. And there's something really shocking about that. And the way that a lot of children behave with those motor skills, it, you would think that there's a serious problem with their development, but these are normally typically developing kids who just lack the practice, lack the modeling and lack the opportunity to develop them. And like we said, a big part of that is this screen time. So screen time has now become the, the most common pastime and, and children in front of YouTube and tablets and um 
you know, there's great things within, within technology and within educational technology, but there's also, you know, those disadvantages and, and we see the impact that it's having on development. So Move Ahead is really about transforming part of that problem into the solution. And Johan, when you're looking at generating a solution to that, I mean, there, there is this sort of uh, the confluence of the, the new technologies like tablets and smartphones very much being a place where you can generate the solutions as, as well as the problem. So in terms of your own research, then when you see devices like smartphones and tablets becoming ever more popular, do you now see it as a, an example of, OK, well, yeah, he, here's where a problem is, but we can actually leverage the same technology to come up with a solution? Absolutely, and that's exactly where we are sitting. Because what we we there's no use like in life, there's things you can fight because you know it's bad, and you try to just go against it. Those screen time are so high that is is seen as bad. So you need to find something just to counteract that. And if you have an healthy screen time, then all of a sudden you're not having this potential huge issue at home where the parents trying to get the kids off the screen. If you have these healthy screen times where the kids have fun, they're active, but also they are learning at the same time. And that's what we're offering. Is nothing on the market at the moment has these kind of solutions that will last. You can have, in the past, you had the, the for the like of the, the Kinect and the Wii, they had tried to do that, but they were not doing it the right way because the technology wasn't there and didn't have the science background that we are offering. So now we are merging the science things plus the new, as you say, like these tablets and the, ta- the mobile phones are now there all the time and in every single house. So this digital solution exists with the modern time bringing this plus our science, we can offer this unique solution to really bring a new, new era where the kids can now use the phone in an active way and has become this healthy screen time we've moved ahead. That's a really interesting point that you raised there, Johan, about sort of the, the failure of technologies ultimately, like the Wii, like Connect, like um, mm. the PlayStation Move. Jamie, did have you been particularly shocked by this as somebody who came from a, sort, of a, sort of a game development background to find that these technologies were, were, were being underused or dying out completely? Mm. And the thing is, it's, it's a really interesting question because they were actually hugely successful and you know that that active component the Wii and the Kinect like the Kinect was the fastest selling uh, piece of hardware in history the the Wii is one of the, still one of the top selling games and devices uh, ever so you know there was that appetite to try it and i think ultimately the customer was let down by the experience um, and in, and if we think about children as being the customer we know why and we've, we've done a lot of research with the Connect. and originally we, we didn't want to have to develop this new technology. Um, we wanted to use what was already out there, but the Connect and, and motion control systems like it essentially are built on adult data. And so that means they try to analyze and track children's movement through the lens of adults. But we know that children move so differently. You know, their their bodies are made up so differently to adults. They develop differently. The movements that they perform are different to adults. Like adults are rarely going to crawl on the ground like a snake, you know, for example. So how can we track children appropriately with sensors that are built on adults' data? So what was happening a lot of the time is you didn't actually have to 
perform your skill. You could just move closer to the sensor, put your arms in the air, and that would that constituted a jump. So that that challenge level was never right. It was it was either too easy or too hard, and that's core to engaging in a movement based interaction and core to the retention part of it is that you have to meet that maximal challenge level so that it's never too hard and it's never too easy. Johan, in looking at some of the things that you've been working on with Move Ahead, you've got examples that look like sort of almost social media videos or uh, little games where you jump up and you grab a, a, a digital fish or something. But there's also things that are more directly related to specific skills like, you know, kicking a ball and things like that. Uh, when you're putting together these, for want of a better term, exercises, which uh, to what extent were you looking at things like okay here's something with a direct training application or here's something that just might be a bit of fun no i think it's actually both all the time because the, if you don't bring fun for those kids from the age of two even to adulthood actually you shouldn't really reduce that conversation to kids we're offering a kid's solution but any activity has to have some sort of a fun elements just to keep retention so that's part of the solution we are trying to bring to the table. But I think on, on top of all of these things is we know what the kids need to develop. So they could do basic skills just for fun or more specific skills when they just love soccer specifically. So Move Ahead Solutions is powering companies to really help them drive their product to the next level. So it could be somebody that wants to bring a caterpillar to life but it could be somebody want to do a soccer skills, somebody want to do trampoline. And what we offer is the support there, the engine that goes behind that to show people what the technology can do and how they can embed that into their game so that the kids can really embrace their body, use their body as a controller, and then transform completely this immersive experience where they can just really act and enact in the game they're playing. So, Jamie, you've sort of uh, entered into the, co- the part of the conversation about uh, the the role of Move Ahead as a, an engine for other people's mm-hmm. uh, products, uh, etc. So, naturally enough, the the plan is to create a, a viable company out of this. So, how have you found um, reception to the idea from investors, from people looking at potential solutions, maybe even in the in the gaming expa- space, or people with experience in gaming? Yeah, I mean, and that's been part of the process over the last couple of years is to find that space and find, you know, the the market that works for us. And we target the the kids app space, which is a really interesting market because it has that, you know, developers of, of children's applications, but it also has all of these incumbents around it. So you've got the entertainment industry who taps into it. So the likes of Disney and Sesame Street, you've got the toy companies like Lego, you've got educational companies like Penguin, and then the sports companies and sports brands like Decathlon and Nike. So um, across that, we've found some remarkable trial partners, really great market-leading trial partners, all of whom like to innovate and particularly like to innovate on the input side. So would have had a previous experience using AOR, for example, uh, voice tech, um, and also that movement component. So with our sports brands, we're doing some great work with Decathlon and we are pairing applications um, that 
analyze uh, tennis actions. Um, they sell some and, and develop some great tennis products there, but we're also working on some other projects with them to go alongside some of their other brands for young children, um, which is a great experience. And then some of our other partners are more in the educational space and it's about bringing stories and different books to life and using that that movement component. And what's really interesting is from the business side of, of things, the societal problem that we've talked about has become a business problem too, because because we know the negative perceptions of screen time from a business point of view if you're developing applications that target children your customer is typically the parent and parents are being told not to put kids in front of screens or to limit that screen time and so the societal problem becomes an issue there because you have parental guilt you have limitations and health guidelines negative perceptions and so we are providing that ingredient that negotiates those, you know, that that transforms the guilt part because look, this is supporting physical development, it's supporting educational learning. Um, so that negotiates the the it's kind of guilt-free in that sense. And it has that that ingredient really that then um, transforms the way parents can look at that technology. And I think it's really important to to note as well that because of COVID, there has been significant impact on the, the way we've developed, you know, particularly the lockdown um, times. But at this, in the same breath, we have seen how useful and, and helpful technology can be for children. They were meeting, they were schooling online, they were meeting their friends and socializing in Roblox, they were doing PE with Joe Wicks on YouTube. So all of these advantages uh, that technology has to offer came to the fore. And I guess a lot of people who had, you know, spoken negatively and we're pushing towards limitations on screen time, we're suddenly forced to say, actually, can you adopt this more? Can you turn on the camera on Zoom, et cetera, et cetera. So we want to kind of hold up those advantages that that have come to the fore during COVID and to, um, with Move Ahead, to keep those advantages going. Johan, I imagine uh, this is sort of a, an ongoing project on a commercial and, and of course, an intellectual level uh, as well. Where do you see your work taking you from here purely at the theoretical level? Oh, I think it's that's actually like one of the questions that is always in back of our heads. I mentioned earlier on, like, we really want to have an impact globally. So the research we've been doing when you reach 2,000 kids in an intervention, from a research perspective, it's absolutely fantastic. But you can tell, going from 2,000 kids to 400,000, if you want to reach all the kids in the country, uh, of like under the age of 12, it's a massive leap. And then if you want to think about a worldwide impact, it's even harder. So where we want to go is like to continue bringing the core science that we know is working really well, to bring these solutions into Move Ahead. And that impact will be real because we know it will be scientifically proven on a small scale. Scaling up is the challenge, and that's why we're bringing Move Ahead outside the university just to really make that impact and continue to grow uh, and support the kids' development. Yeah, I think it's it's about really combining that deep data set that we're, we're building. I mean, we're building this significant repository of children's movement skills and marrying that with this rich and rare, it has to be said, expertise in children's movement science and combining those two so that we really have an understanding of how children move. So no matter what child is engaging with an application, um, that is powered by Move Ahead, we can understand where that child is on their movement pathway and we can 
ensure that we personalize the game to help that specific child level up. And when we meet that, the, the complexity so that it's not too hard or it's not too easy, you keep that child engaged for longer periods. And this is not about just being active in front of a screen. It's about developing and having an opportunity to develop core movement skills in front of a screen and on devices, but then taking those skills and that confidence that you have to real life play and participating in physical activity across the life course. And that was Dr. Johan Isartel and Jamie McGann of Move Ahead chatting with Niall Kitson. If you'd like to learn more about what they do, you can visit their website at moveahead-project.com. That's a moveahead, all one word, dash project.com. That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or of course listen out for us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, thank you so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.